Maya. I'm Melissa. And I'm Olivia. And we're here to take you back to your, your Twilight Why'd you go so slow? You guys started so late. <laughs> we're trying our best here at Twilight Face headquarters, which it's is our individual homes. <laughs> <laughs> so what's up? How are you guys? Um, I'm good. You know, it's a lot of indoors time, but at least we get to read New Moon, so that's good. Just like Bella, you know, she had a lot of indoors time. It's true. I mean, I don't know. I'd rather things be normal and me not reading New Moon. I think that sounds better. I would also take the trade. But, like, people are dying, so of course. But here we are. (sighs) Uh, We're doing great. Hope you're all great. Yeah, hope you guys are doing great. Love you guys. Miss you guys. Remember to enter our Midnight Sun giveaway. What? How do I do oh, that? Yeah. Um, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or post about us on social before the end of this month, which is May. And you'll be entered to win a free, that's right, free copy of Midnight Sun. So that's how you do that. We've been reading all the reviews being left and they are gems. Straight yeah, gems. Thanks, guys. It makes us make the wildest faces. I'm over here like, (laughs) just like so grateful that I don't know what to do with a face anymore. Yeah, but that was a good audio representation of what her face looked like. (laughs) Yeah, they can see it. (laughs) (laughs) So this week, to be honest, I wasn't totally looking forward to what we were reading this week because it's chapters four and five of New Moon which mostly is Bella being sad. Um, Anybody have a more detailed recap on that? Yes, indeed. Chapter four. (laughs) Uh, This chapter is titled Waking Up. Basically, Bella has been a zombie, she calls it, for her month's chapters. And now Charlie wants her to go live in Jacksonville with Renee. This kind of wakes Bella's up. Bella up because she's like there is no way that I'm leaving Forks so waking up is really about Bella trying to like get back into a position where she can pretend to be a functioning human being because she's not fooling anyone and she's like I gotta fool people right so I'm working so she tells Charlie that she's gonna go hang out with Jessica and she's like Jessica do you want to hang out and she's like uh okay but like you don't (laughs) ever want to hang out and they go to Port Angeles to see a movie and after the movie they're walking to a McDonald's who walks to a McDonald's you have a car Jessica but whatever and Bella sees these guys outside a bar and it reminds her of the last time she was in Port Angeles where Edward saved her from those creepy guys and so Bella starts to go over to talk to them because she's like is it them is it not them I can't tell and oh clear as a bell she hears edward's voice he's not really there but she's hallucinating that he wants her to stay safe so jessica does not like that she doesn't know what happened she just knows bella was super weird they go home the chapter ends bella's like really sad uh the next chapter is cheater bella's still a mess she is working at newton's sporting goods Um, There's a little bit of a clue. Some guys are talking about a big, scary animal, but we 
blow right past that. Mm. Bella's driving around because she just can't go home because Charlie's going to find out that, you know, she's not doing anything with her life. And she sees two motorcycles on the side of the road. She picks them up. She takes them to Jacob Black's house and they agree to work on them together. They were free and broken. She didn't steal some motorcycles. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) In fact, she tried to pay. And the kid was like, just trust me, no. So we um, start um, with this funny little page. Re- uh, listeners, I don't know if you remember this quirk of New Moon, but chapter four starts on a new page, like a normal chapter. There's only one paragraph, and then the page breaks, and you turn the page, and the next page also looks like a chapter opening, but there's no new chapter header. Um, so there's just like this funny little paragraph break that forces you to turn the page as Bella sort of acknowledges that time has been passing slowly and then we enter the first scene. I skipped that on accident. Playing. <laughs> really? <laughs> did you skip the actual beginning of chapter four? Yeah, I did. I was about to be like, this chapter doesn't have a title. Uh, <laughs> I just lumped it in with all the months. Oops. That's kind of funny. I just want to say that you know Stephanie was really playing with form a lot with this book. Mm-hmm. There are the months chapters. There's chapter four. I feel like I probably would have just made this a new chapter. I would have made chapter four this very short chapter, or maybe right. I would have made like the months their own into chapter. a chapter. Although I think visually it would work worse if you tried to right. put a chapter number on the first month page. I so, agree with that. It's an interesting. Choice. I'm not sure that it looks on my ebook the way that it looks for you i have four waking up then a tiny paragraph yep then a space but it's still on the same page interesting that production interesting choice i think as an editor as an editor of the ebook i would have changed that to a page turn because it's a page turn in the yeah in the print as an editor of the print i probably would have made this the next chapter i don't know if that's wouldn't really make any difference but it's interesting it is what it is so we start off and bella says time passes even when it seems impossible even when each tick of the second hand aches like the pulse of blood behind a bruise it's not my best sentence but that's a good sentence that's my best sentence (gasps) wow there it is right there i was like oh wow that's good stuff so so What struck me right off the bat about this chapter was one, I feel like this is where we're getting all the pain and suffering that Melissa wanted from the month's (laughs) pages. And I stand Charlie forever, every single day of my life, no matter what. Yeah, I definitely sort of appreciated how Stephanie wrote about depression like I just remember like my memory of reading this is very different from my actual reading experience where like in my memory I had just written off these chapters as Bella moping about a boy not being around but a lot more actually happens yeah I remember too and she like describes the sort of depression and like what Bella's going through much more deeply than you know oh she's just upset that a boy left um like yeah, my, definitely. I I think one of my best sentences is about you know like what how Bella's actually going through it and so you know I think that this reread has improved my opinion of this book so mm. far 
so far. Hey. And I did not anticipate that. What do you know? I do think we she start- captures the like the numbness of that feeling really well. Um and also I think it's relatable that Bella also says that she's been trying to be under the radar. Like she's been really sad, but she's also been trying to be normal on the outside. That's something that I also thought was really great because so we start off this chapter and Charlie's like, I'm sending you home. And I felt like Stephanie did a really great job of capturing Bella's kind of confusion in Mm -hmm. this moment because Bella really thinks that she's kind of been pulling it off and has been successfully playing the part of someone who's acting normal. She's like, what did I do? And he's like, you didn't do anything. That's the problem. You never do anything. And she's like, okay, um, should I be getting in trouble? Like, like whatever it is that Charlie wants, I'm happy to do it. Like her own wants and desires just completely have fallen by the wayside through this trauma of losing Edward. And she's just like, everything I've been doing has been to make Charlie think that I'm okay. And it hasn't even been working. I did really appreciate that within this chapter of waking up, like I first assumed that it was sort of waking up from the previous months that go by, but she's not woken up yet. Like she doesn't wake up until, you know, she sees Edward and then she gets that adrenaline rush and she's like, fuck, wait, I'm like paying attention to things now. And that's a lot of, a lot of these chapters are her being like, Oh, I felt that emotion for the first time in a long time or like I heard my voice and realized that it sounded flat like she's been completely checked out of all sensory experiences and this is her just like coming back and seeing how the world has changed in these past few months. I must point out that one of her points about how she's been acting really, really normal is that she only very rarely served leftovers. <laughs> I, I was like, Bella, what are you, a that. wife? Like, what? <laughs> From the 1950s? What's Ugh. going on? Damn so it, Bella. <laughs> Charlie is gearing up to have this serious conversation with Bella you can kind of tell that he's been like working on it for a while and he says when your mother left and took you with her well that was a really bad time for me um readers listeners I died I died (laughs) Charlie is so pure and he's so vulnerable throughout these books like even just in Twilight you can tell he's so thrilled to have Bella joining him And here he's so heartbroken that she's not okay. And he says to her, I think we both know it's not getting better. And so he's like, well, maybe if you talk to someone about this, a professional, we stand someone who believes in mental health advocacy. We love Charlie. And then this is a rare moment. So Bella's response to that is so classic 10 years ago. Um, she says you want me to see a shrink and I thought it was going to be a very I mean we've established that Stephanie does not handle mental health issues very sensitively in general Um, but her her negative reaction is a little more enlightened than I expected it to be like I thought it would be a very classic like oh only crazy people go to see shrinks but what she actually says is 
I was pretty sure that it didn't work unless the subject was relatively honest and she knows that she can't actually tell the truth about her vampire boyfriend that she's not with anymore. Right. Um, I actually wanted to ask you guys a question about that because it was just not quite holding water for me. Like, yes, works better when you tell the truth. You need to be (laughs) honest. Right. But I was like, you can have these conversations and just leave out right the vampire part if you ever really wanted to be a cullen you'd have to get used to that very very specific kind of lying true right and like you could talk about a lot of the emotions without the details like he represented this whole life that now i won't have like you could talk about the feelings about that with a therapist without right having but to be we're like also he's a vampire also talking about a teenager so right. <laughs> i don't know her sort of dismissal of therapy makes sense to me for you know what we know about her right um i do love that she doesn't call it therapy she calls it psychoanalysis yeah <laughs> and i'm and like then, that's a little off and then she whatever. says sure i could tell the truth if i wanted to spend the rest of my life in a padded cell <laughs> all right Ooh. all right <laughs> well, one even if you did tell them that edward was a vampire and they were concerned about you like one that's just not gonna happen right and two they'd probably just be like oh wow she really is not taking this seriously she's not cooperating like they wouldn't pursue anything with you yo I just had a major brain blast where I was like, maybe I should talk to my therapist and tell her I'm dating a vampire and like just see what happens. <laughs> you know As a social like, experiment. I cannot actually do that. Um because you like your really tight. Yeah, I like my therapist and she actually really helps me. Um, but I'm now just imagining what she would say to me if I were to come to her and be like, listen. You know, these people that I've been talking about this whole time, they're vampires. <laughs> One, she'd be I like, feel like, hmm. I think she'd be like, well, you've been pretty against dating. So this is an interesting revelation. <laughs> okay. But it she makes would me tell think me more. Like- <laughs> she would, definitely. She would gently probe it for like three weeks. Right. Just to- you want to tell me more about that? It's like those... Those Twitter challenges, it's like, text your parents and say X, Y, Z, or like, text your boyfriend, boyfriend, yeah, that you're pregnant, and then you like, post their response. It's like, tell your therapist your vampire boyfriend left you. (laughs) Oh, that would be really funny, though. I know. People should do it. Listeners, you should do that. But I really God. care about how if Carenza thinks of me like in a good light or not. Can I say my therapist's name on here? Yeah, I I'm think I yeah. I don't think okay. that's like <laughs> no clue. Whatever. I am currently between therapists because as I'm sure a lot of listeners know, it's very hard to like find a good therapist, to be able to afford it. The whole mental hey, health care system is a mess. But I like my last therapist, I really liked her a lot. And I just remember feeling 
like going into each session and since I liked her so much I was like today is the day I'm gonna win at therapy I'm gonna make her like me so much I'm gonna make her laugh she'll be entertained by me uh, like it I sounds like something problems. did you ever you um, go to therapy. did you ever like talk to your therapist about how you felt like that <laughs> no we had plenty of stuff to discuss without ever touching our own relationship like a bottomless well <laughs> but Bella really could benefit from a therapist and I we all can benefit we all could we all can Bella's, benefit but Bella definitely but yeah for sure Bella because Bella's in the middle of a mental health crisis like yeah. she's not living her life she's not okay no. at one point in one of these chapters it's a classic like look in the mirror she looks mm-hmm. at herself and she's like you know if you looked at me from far away and if I were beautiful you could mistake me for a vampire I'm so pale like I've got these terrible dark circles under my eyes that I didn't have before and she like doesn't even really recognize herself it's like damn girl you're not okay and Charlie oh go ahead um Charlie definitely does recognize that and I was thinking about how sort of his experience of all of this is that not very long ago she basically ran away from home because she was so unhappy with being in forks and right being tied down to forks and so now he's trying to tell her to leave and she's like why would I ever leave forks and I don't know it's Poor just like Charlie. Forks, really. <laughs> he's probably just like so confusing teenagers man right yeah <laughs> only it's probably more like he's at the diner alone because Bella wouldn't come out and he looks into his coffee cup and then up at like the friendly waitress and is just like teenagers man because <laughs> Charlie's really going through it I, know, um, I think the biggest piece of evidence for just how sick Bella is at this time is they have this conversation she gets up to go to school and she so she's not eating her breakfast I have to get to school. I interrupted standing up and yanking my untouched breakfast from the table. It's a bowl of cereal. I dumped my bowl in the sink without pausing to wash it out. So she uh, just like tosses gross. a full bowl of cereal into the sink <laughs> and pieces out. Like finally, Charlie has to clean up after her. But like <laughs> the Bella we know would never do that. <laughs> I don't think she had any milk either. No, she must have. She drinks Sarah a milk beer from family. the carton. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> um, so to avoid Charlie, she leaves and ends up one of the first ones at school. And I was just thinking about how this happens all the time in books that people get to school early. Did you ever once in your life get to school really early yes. and have to kill time? Yes. I we purposefully did this to get a good parking spot. She oh. says that she got a really good parking spot it's and true. literally it was like memories just smacked me in the face <laughs> me and my friends would get to school 40 minutes early oh in God. order to get a good parking spot because unless wow. you got a good parking spot you were staying after school an extra 40 minutes because the line of cars to get out of the parking lot wow. was so bad okay but like 40 minutes at the beginning of the day versus 40 minutes at the end of the day oh yeah, yeah, but we, in I'd morning, rather school the 40 minutes. No, we, it was You're just like hanging school. out at your lockers. Yeah. Or in the cafeteria. Yeah, I, exactly. No, high we school starts at like out. five o'clock in the morning. 
No. High school for us started at 7.35. It was wrong. Yeah, exactly. That's so early. My high school started at 8. I never had my own car, so I was not making these choices. And we did get to school early because of parking and, like, how many buses there were coming in. But I never considered it, like, oh, God, I'm so early to school. Like, it was just routine. Like, you just got to school 20 minutes early because that's when you got to school. Yeah, I I never had, like lots of morning free time yeah like we had a spot of where we sat by lockers right. before right. school and we had our spot where we sat at lunch like, right it was the whole thing it's just the routine I also did not have a car so I didn't have the ability to make these choices either but oh, my calculus class senior year was on the fourth floor so you know oh, I was always yeah. like running late to school get there like trying to sprint up all these stairs with this heavy ass backpack. It was so demoralizing. Mm-hmm. Then she goes to English where we were working on Animal Farm, an easy subject matter, which first of all was already weird. Like, how do you call one book? And like, either English is easy or English isn't easy. Then she says, I didn't mind communism. It was a welcome change from the exhausting romance that made up most of the curriculum. What the actual fuck sentence is that? I didn't mind communism. I didn't mind communism. (laughs) That's not how you talk about school. It's supposed to show us that, like, she can't handle romance of any kind. Right. But, like, (laughs) that's shown so well in in a later scene in Port Angeles that, like, we really didn't need this weird (laughs) mention of it here. I didn't mind communism. My favorite, like, school thing is that Bella's grades are really good because she has nothing to do except for study. And she's like, I knew Mr. Varner felt my improvement was all due to his superior teaching methods. And if that made him happy, I wasn't going to burst his bubble. And Bella, I don't think he's thinking that much about you. (laughs) Probably not. He probably does not care at all. Yeah, he's like, oh, Bella's doing a little better. If he thinks about it at all. Um. I wanted to highlight that this reading segment really, once again, reinforced that I think Bella is a terrible friend. Yes. I do want to give her a break because she's going through a thing. But, you know, some of the stuff that she does, she did before going through a thing. So it's kind of hard to separate them. It's also about how she thinks about it internally. Like, she's kind of annoyed that Jessica is annoyed. Like, yeah, she uses the word sulking, sulking. which is such a rude way to refer to someone. Me too. Okay, so she says, I knew I had offended her with my antisocial behavior, and she was sulking. I was like, Oh, you're being mean. That's why she's mad at you because you're literally being mean. It says she tried to talk to you for months, and you just just ignored her. Like, she's not sulking, she's just not your friend anymore because you didn't treat her like a friend (laughs) yeah she's just like it's like you're not even there like what what does she have to say to you yeah like do you expect her to fall all over herself every single time that you walk by forever trying to be your friend she already did that and you made fun of her right and now bella needs something out of her and and she needs jessica to just be there yeah fuck that and because Jess is a good friend, she is. She Bella goes, Jess? And she's like, are you talking to me, Bella? 
of course i widened my eyes to suggest innocence what bella is like so own up calculating to it. here yeah like and jess is like what do you need help with calculus her tone was a tad sour yeah no wonder and bella's <laughs> like actually i just thought we could go to the movies and you're the first person i think of when i want girl time and Jess immediately, she seemed a little mollified. Well, I don't know. A little mollified to me implies like she's already bending. She's like ready to forgive. If Bella would just be a good friend to her, Jess would gladly right. be Bella's friend. Right. Yeah, she's literally the worst. Um, she doesn't give two shits about Jess, like whatsoever. She's not oh, at all. Like, no, not at all. Definitely just using her here. Yeah, like not. How's it? How's it going? What's We're going to see that even more when they actually get to Port Angeles. Yeah. They go see a movie. Yeah. Um, they hit just... the Twilight showing. And they're going to eat later. I just want to mention that Bella's like, how about we see that one with the female president? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I said, LOL, the one. <laughs> oh, 2009. Oh. <laughs> um instead they decide to see a zombie movie Bella's like I tried to remember if I liked scary movies but I wasn't sure she like doesn't know anything about herself anymore like that really spoke to me about like her like place of numbness like I wrote oof next to it yeah girlfriend you can't remember if you like this yeah and her reaction to the movie makes it seem like she has managed to not consume any media for these entire four months or like not pay attention to any of it because she immediately gets nervous that it's going to be like a romantic scene at the beginning and leaves to get snacks. And I was like, haven't you like seen, I don't know, like I get the triggering response, but also it's already been four months. And like, yeah. like you just know that horror movies yeah. typically don't start off with the slaughtering and slashing. Of course. Like you have first to pretend set... to care about them. Yeah. Uh, So Bella says to Jessica, I thought we picked the zombie movie. And Jessica's like, this is. And she's like, then why isn't anyone getting eaten? I asked desperately. (laughs) And poor Jessica. I know. She's just trying to be a good friend to this girl that used to be her friend and is clearly going through a hard time. And like, what is she supposed to say? She's like, I'm sure that part's coming. (laughs) Jessica can't control the movie. She wasn't a screenwriter. I just... Also, the whole car ride that they're coming up and all of Bella's, like, communication is just, what can I say in order to get her to keep talking mm-hmm. instead yeah. of, you know, actual interest? And like, in fact, it literally says here, um, where did he take you? I demanded, knowing she would interpret my eagerness as interest. Right. Like, she admits to it's herself like, that she guess is what? not interested. <laughs> One way to distract yourself from your own pain is by showing genuine interest in other people's lives. Right? Forming relationships with other people. (laughs) If you can't muster genuine interest, it is okay to fake it until you make it, but you're not even faking it until you make it because you're just saying the right thing and then not listening whatsoever. (laughs) You have to be a participant in the faking it till you make it. I was so mad at her during this section. (laughs) Yeah, Bella's just not a good not at all i know that we've covered this and like but like damn we're not yeah we're not trying to blame her for being depressed and being a bad friend she's just like as a person in all states 
not a good yes. friend. <laughs> through Even Twilight, to her there's best friend. <laughs> yeah, through Twilight, there's so much of her being like, I'm just gonna get Jess talking. Like yeah. she she never cared about Jess. To transition to some sympathy for Bella. Um yes. A line on one of these pages actually made me think a lot harder about what she's going through, which is after the um, aforementioned, she kind of realizes that she looks like a zombie Mm. um, and she starts to think about how she had dreamed of becoming a mythical monster once, just never a grotesque animated corpse, though I would argue a beautiful animated corpse. I Um, literally said that. I wrote just a gorgeous animated <laughs> Great lines. And that, well, and then she says, it was depressing to realize that I wasn't the heroine anymore, that my story was over. And it hit home for me that she's not actually just mourning Edward here. She really thought for several months that she would become a vampire and live forever. Right. And losing that, losing a whole future and a whole conception of yourself and your life actually strikes me as much more of a it's trauma than just yes. it's not just losing a boyfriend it's losing your yeah. entire future and she doesn't really delve into that concept too much but it's hint- hinted at here and i think it's really important that line also really really stood out to me and i wrote this is very sad. Yeah. Edward made Bella feel important, and it's so dangerous to tie your worth to your romantic relationships. But it just made me think, like, you know, had I been the editor on this book, I think that I would have delved in a little more to how being with Edward makes Bella feel important because mm-hmm. they do a great job of setting up how Bella feels you know, just like so run of the mill, so plain Jane Mm -hmm. and how wonderful it is to be with Edward, but not really how Edward like makes her feel. About Bella never really has, yeah, the sense that she has her own independent value. Mm -hmm. And like, that's just so sad. And it's so sad that we have to read between the lines to see in the first place where Bella is getting her value. And then to like, watch that be taken away from her when we know that even though she's not a good friend there are a lot of things that make Bella special like Bella could learn to be a good friend she's smart she's funny like she's a good daughter Mm -hmm. like if she felt good about herself I think that these chapters would look very different yeah yeah and And I I think it would also look different you know, I think she gets a lot of flack for, I mean, even from me, like I give her a lot of flack for really wallowing because she's lost a romantic partner. And I do, I also agree that she could go a lot more into what it means for her own self-image as opposed to just her relationship with another person. Yeah. I also wrote also meta because it is literally her story. (laughs) (laughs) And it's clearly not over. over. We're in chapter four. Real real chunk left here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right. So then we get to the scene where she's outside with Jessica. They're going to dinner. 
walking to McDonald's for whatever reason. <laughs> um, and that's when they see these these mysterious men loitering uh, outside a bar. One-eyed Pete's. <laughs> One-eyed Pete's, One right? Pete's. Let's go so get just, a drink at One-eyed Pete's. <laughs> you just know that anyone who goes to One-eyed Pete's is probably like a scoundrel. You know? <laughs> so avoid them at all costs. And instead, uh, she walks toward them. Right. She thinks she recognizes one of them as, like, the one of the men who potentially wanted to rape her. Um, she says one of them was even short and dark. And I don't know if we fully delved into the implicit racism in Stephanie Meyer's we world. Haven't. We haven't. Um, but enough. it's pretty messed up that the superior beings are all pale and white and it is just gross that like one of our big villains is I mean I don't know that it's necessarily fair to call him one of the big villains but like one of the big threats to Bella's life is just described as dark and it's referring to a man I also find it to be a super awkward descriptor like what does that what does that mean what does that mean does that mean brown hair does that mean dark right. skinned? Like, it's like that uh, phrase, tall, dark, and handsome. Right. Like, dark like, to me in that sentence means more, like, mysterious. Or, like, like brooding. Yeah. But, like, that's just, Edward is brooding, and he's the good one. Right. And he's only ever described as, um, like, angelically pale. <laughs> angelically pale, not <laughs> grotesquely uh, animated, animated tail. <laughs> <laughs> which is what he is <laughs> on the car ride down Bella's trying to find some music that she can listen to that like you know won't upset her or remind her of Edward and she picks rap and Jess is like you listen to rap and Bella's oh, yeah. like yeah of course and it just felt like another moment to me yeah. where Stephanie's implicit racism was showing because I was like there is no way that stephanie thinks edward listens to rap right. and she's like oh not my pure white little angel child <laughs> boy he wouldn't listen to rap so that's what bella can listen to now like totally i also maybe you've all already heard this story but when Catherine hardwick the director of the first movie was working on casting, we love her um, we stand Catherine. She was trying to di- diversify the cast. Um, and basically, from what I know, Stephanie didn't let her. Like, she You're correct. insisted that the full main cast was as she imagined them, which was white. And the only people of color that they got away with was like Eric is Asian in the movie. And Laurent, one of the villains, is described as olive-skinned in the book. And so Catherine convinced her that one of the villains could be Black. Yeah, Stephanie was extremely protective of the whiteness. And it's just not necessary. Listeners, if any of you are like... But she wrote them white. So like to be true to the book, blah, blah, blah. Look, that just doesn't matter. Like, I know that you think that that matters. That doesn't matter. If they're written as white in the book, someone Black can play them in in the movie. If they're written as Black in the book, 
only someone black can play them in the movie. It only yeah. goes that one way. I want to be clear. <laughs> um, did we talk about this before? How I read the first book and I, like, I I read Jess as black. Like, no, she was really cast as know. Anna Kendrick in the movie. Who we also and I was stand. like, I love. Her. Yeah, I do love Anna Kendrick, but I was like, why they pick that white girl? <laughs> ah, no way. No, yeah. I don't think we did talk about that. Yes, I totally, when I read the series, I had imagined Jess as black. And I think it, there was like a, a paragraph in the first book where they described Jess's hair as like really curly. Mm. And I think- Which is like I, the only way that many that you writers can know how black to code <laughs> black people. <laughs> right. And so, right. But she doesn't ever mention that she's not black or not right. white. Like she doesn't it's mention- true. Other than the vampires and Bella, she doesn't mention anyone's uh, skin, skin color. color. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Listeners, there's something <laughs> known as the white default, which is that if a character's race isn't described, then our brains automatically just kind of assume that they're white because almost everyone in media is white. So that's mm-hmm. how we're conditioned to believe. And the fact that this person... Stephanie Meyer definitely thought she was white and Melissa was like <laughs> I, I just assumed she was black I love it I love it <laughs> makes me so happy oh, I'm so glad yeah so anyway in the scene Bella is again being a bad friend because Jess clearly feels unsafe because Bella, they are <laughs> yeah because they are unsafe but even before they start passing the bar Bella like recognizes that Jess feels this way she's like oh like Jess was keeping her head down she wasn't talking anymore and then Bella realizes that there's like this group of people and just like Bella think about someone besides yourself I know you know that Jessica is uncomfortable just walk just leave just go go although once she hears Bella's voice at once she hears Edward's voice at that point you can't blame her anymore right but like out of her she hands. didn't know that was gonna happen. Instead, she, she's just walking towards random people. <laughs> Something unfamiliar beat through my veins. Adrenaline, I realized, long absent from my system, drumming my pulse faster and fighting against a lack of sensation. It was strange. Why the adrenaline? It was strange. Why the adrenaline when there was no fear? Okay, I thought that sentence was weird, but actually, it was not weird. It was strange. <laughs> Why the adrenaline when there was no fear? I saw no reason for fear. I couldn't imagine anything in the world that was left to be afraid of, not physically at least, one of the few advantages of losing everything. One, I think this scene is very well placed. These chapters could have gotten really boring of just like a bunch of Bella wallowing. And even though that's how we kind of remembered it, that's not what happens. This is like pretty exciting. And who i thought i had another note but it's actually the same one (laughs) that i copied for some reason (laughs) (laughs) but like i just thought that like this was kind of a cool scene because i couldn't remember how bella started hearing edward's voice again but this felt like pretty effective and really surprising as a reader that she could hear his voice in this way and just like convincing. I don't know. I liked it. Especially because Port Angeles is a scene 
that I remembered. Like I associated Port Angeles as soon as they were going to the movies in Port Angeles, I was associating it with that um, chapter in Twilight. So I was already making that association as a reader too. All right, and these visions of Edward, I don't understand how they don't come to play with her vampire powers. It's just, I'm I'm gonna continue to complain about the fact that Bella's vampire powers don't make any sense. They do not. And she kind of thinks that they're, she calls them hallucinations. They're like very clear. She does never, they never turn into anything else. That's just what they are. It's just her own subconscious sort of giving her what she wants in order to get her out of danger. Yeah, what she's hearing is Edward's voice saying like, go back to Jessica. You promised nothing stupid. So it's this like, feeling that she's being protected and his voice is so clear i was surprised that the sound of it did not knock me to my knees did not curl me onto the pavement in a torture of loss i thought that was a really just like beautiful sentence Mm -hmm. because like that's not what a torture is Mm. but like just the use of it is so nice So it's the first time that she's experienced, she's been avoiding memories of him completely. And it's the first time that a memory of him is not completely debilitating. Yes. And also what I actually really liked that Stephanie pointed out was that Bella doesn't struggle to forget Edward. Like there's a sentence that says like, I could not think of them, but I must remember them. Yeah. So she was, Yeah, she was just really relieved that she hadn't forgotten Edward's uh, voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what she have you. described like, herself as grateful. I'm like, I'm like oh, poor Bella. <laughs> and this is in direct contrast to Edward trying to claim that her life will be as if he never existed, which is stupid and impossible and also unhealthy. Yeah. And she, in contrast, has to know that he existed. It makes her feel better to know that at least he was real. And that's why she doesn't want to leave works. It's almost as if you can't take someone's agency away from them and just assume that you know what's best for them. Think of how much better Bella could have grieved if she could just look at those photos and not have to feel the fear that she would forget. Or that she was wrong the whole time. Oh yeah, that's an unbelievable thing. That it's like, wait, remember that time when I dated a vampire? Like, was that even real? Who knows? So much of what Bella's going through here is so interesting because even though she is very sad that Edward doesn't want her anymore and that he's gone from her life, her biggest fear as she presents it to us is that she will stop believing that it was true and that it really happened. And like, I certainly can't think of any analog from my life where where it's like, oh, yeah, my real fear about that was that I would forget that it was true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can like, only kind of equate that, you know, like when you wake up from a dream mm-hmm. and you're trying to decipher what's dream and what's reality. That's kind of what I imagined Bella being in in like the worst moments right because the experience was so unbelievable right i can think about like if 
like let's say that you had like some kind of relationship with someone and they broke up with you and then afterwards you're like oh like do they ever even really like me mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. that's still so separate from what Bella is going through here because in that scenario like you still dated them right like just doubt the feelings yeah so I, I want to call just like quick attention to Bella's hearing these voices and she's like I ran through the possibilities in my head. Option one, I was crazy. That was the layman's term for people who heard voices <laughs> in their heads. One, um, crazy, bit of a touchy word. But two, I was like, hot, that's Edward, though. Bella just doesn't like compare that to Edward whatsoever. She doesn't go like, with one notable exception. Uh, she just st- strolls by it. Oh, because he hears voices. Because he hears voices in his he head all the time. You're right. Didn't even think about it. Mm. Holler. Okay. I, when I got to the end of this chapter, also realized that I was imagining myself in a position where it's like, oh, did this thing even happen to me? I don't feel like I have as much agency as I did at this time. Why doesn't she do anything to find other vampires? Hmm. Ooh. Like, well, where she, would you start? She knows that vampires exist now. And especially if you're starting to doubt yourself. Like, I guess she doesn't have the internet. So maybe it's a little bit harder. <laughs> she has, I mean, she has internet. She has the internet. It's just like really slow internet. But she knows that there are these other vampires that know the Collins in Denali she doesn't know them but she knows they exist and she could devise some strange way to Mm. I don't know if I would want to find vampires if I were Bella yeah I think that you're just as likely to find vampires that want to eat you true you're actually much more likely to find vampires that want to eat you than any that would remind you that this experience really did exist Because what I think of is, well, Bella, you do still have that stereo in the back of your closet. He didn't take the stereo that the Cullens gave her for her birthday. That, like, isn't a picture of him, but it is proof that they existed. Yeah, she has proof. But I think more than that, more than just looking for proof, like, part of what she has lost here is the ability to be a vampire maybe she is so in love with edward that she doesn't want to be a vampire without him oh yeah but isn't I it think... like interesting oh, yeah. narratively if she has the chance to get what she wants without him the thing is is i don't think that really what bella wants is to be a vampire i think bella wants to be with edward and she's like well our relationship would be better if we were equals if I could right. be as strong and fast and as beautiful as him, then this wouldn't feel so uneven. Therefore, I want to be a vampire. I, be a vampire. I guess I was trying to read into her the loss of more than just a boyfriend. <laughs> well, I think that the loss of more than just a boyfriend is there. But without the boyfriend, I don't she think that she want. still wants right. like that life. Especially because... 
her motivation up to this point has been like keep charlie happy right and she definitely can't do that if she has to go and be a vampire i guess i just wish that she wanted that without edward like it's such a humongous thing to decide that you want that i feel like she should want it outside of just edward Like, should you really become an immortal being only to be with another person? Yeah, like, if you... Shouldn't you also want to be an immortal being? Right, but, like, decisions can be tied to another decision. Right. Um... I kind of feel like the experience of being a vampire seems so awful to me. (laughs) Yeah, me too. That... It's, like, such a big sacrifice that she's making to, like, give True. up her human life. True. Like, Rosalie's whole perspective is, like, but having children. And I don't care about that. But, like, <laughs> being able to sleep, food, yeah, having real-life friends and, like, a real-life family. Which isn't to say that the Collins don't have friends and don't have family. But, like, right. your relationships that already exist. Right like maintaining those she'd have to sacrifice yeah, but so Bella doesn't much. have any of those Bella has two of those and it's her mom and her dad you're right <laughs> you're right <laughs> the whole right, point of like is that she has no other relationships <laughs> but we're gonna get to one I want to get it's to true. Jacob it's true okay so afterwards she gets home um then she feels all this pain she feels this hole in her chest blah 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 I could live through it it didn't feel like the pain had weakened me over time rather that I'd grown strong enough to bear it I think about that as like a metaphor for grief all the time and I did not know that I picked it up from new moon having a hole (laughs) in your chest not a hole but that like you can have a loss and the loss and the pain of that loss never diminishes but that you get strong enough to carry on with it I like wow. think about that idea a lot. I had no idea I got wow. from Newman. I love these books. They're messed up, There's but I love them. so much of the shit that comes up. You're like, oh my God, that's where okay. I got this. <laughs> it got so deep into our psyches. Sometimes <laughs> people ask me like, oh, you have a Twilight podcast? Like, really, what do you even talk? There's stuff to say. Yeah, there is a lot to say. There's too much. Our so much. <laughs> Okay, chapter five, cheater. So Bella and Mike are both at work. I'm kind of surprised that they're ever scheduled at the same time because it's like, how busy can this store be? <laughs> yeah, how many employees are there? Probably just yeah. Um, I have a favorite moment, which is these two guys are like in the store arguing over backpacks or something. No, they're arguing over um, one of them has seen a, a wolf. We don't know at this point that it's a werewolf, but that's what it is. I've seen grizzlies pretty up close in Yellowstone, but they had nothing on this brute. His hair was matted, and his clothes looked like they'd been on his back for more than a few days, fresh from the mountains. Like, (laughs) did this guy go hiking, hang out in the mountains for however long, and then instead of, like, going to a hotel or his home or whatever, he just, like, goes to the sporting goods store to, like, chat? Like, I mean, that's a thing like what? if you're a professional you know hiker sometimes you do need to make a pit stop to like pick up something 
that you need so you would go to the outdoor store and then continue on your thing wild okay maybe that makes sense i imagined it like his hike had been completed and and it's time for him to think of what he's going to do next and it's not shower or even change (laughs) his clothes he's like i'm going directly over to newton's no sense but okay i'll make less fun of it Bella has to leave work and she doesn't want to go home to the empty house, Charlie's empty house, which is her empty house. Right. Um, And I actually think that she goes through a pretty effective sort of um, mental progression that leads her to a new place, which is actually quite hard to do as a writer to have a character think through things that already exist and come to a new place. And so I agree, and I also thought this chapter was really well done. Yeah, so she's thinking about Edward's stupid promise that it will be as if he'd never existed. Mm -hmm. And she's thinking about how that's impossible and a bad promise and one that could never be true because she had been changed by them being there. And so he had never been able to make this promise that he made that it would be as if he'd never existed. And she remembers that the promise that she had made in return is that she would never do anything stupid or reckless. And she's been trying to do that. It's kind of her default state, but she's been trying not to get into trouble, not to do anything reckless. She just had this experience, experiencing adrenaline again for the first time and it woke her up. And so she realizes that if Edward has never been keeping his promise that why should she be keeping her promise to him and if she wants to be reckless and hear edward in the process then she should just do it and honestly i fall support (laughs) yes i love bella in these chapters yeah she's so fun everyone who's like bella doesn't have any agency like yes there are several characters that try to take away bella's agency but i think it's just such an unfair criticism to say that she like never makes any decisions for herself because like here we really do get to see her think through this and she's like okay our deal was never valid yeah so do I want to hold up my end no I don't I want to be an oath breaker too and she's like but how could I cheat on my side here in this harmless little town and she's like, like, you know what? I'm going to get into trouble. And so fun to like watch this girl that you know is like 5'4", kind of mousy with brown hair, be like, I want to do something dangerous. Yeah. And she yeah. kind of decides here, she doesn't think through it quite like this, but she decides to kind of drag herself out of what she's in. And I know that that is extremely difficult to do without outside intervention. You're talking yes. about, like, her depression. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell so yeah. she happens to look around and see some broken motorcycles. She was driving, and then because she had these memories of Edward, she had to pull over, and that's when she starts thinking through about how she's going to be an oath breaker. And so she's blocking someone's driveway. Um, <laughs> I was imagining her... House. Like in the middle of the woods, like in a random meandering street. Yeah, where she's no, just it's like, like surrounded by trees. But she's in a neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. She's blocking the driveway to Eric's house. Like, <laughs> I know you were really upset when you pulled over, but like, who as a driver 
<laughs> it's like like that's so unconscious to just pull up enough that you're not blocking a driveway um, so true and across the road lived the Marxes. and so she she says sometimes kismet happens i like that sentence so she like goes up to the door to ask how much for the motorcycles and the kid there like immediately knows her name um and i just like kind of started thinking at that point like bella's low-key famous <laughs> like everybody in town knows who she is yeah everybody in town knows who she is yeah she, she got lost in the woods and yeah. everyone looked for her <laughs> She ran away from home. The mysterious, beautiful Cullens took a special interest in her. And then she ran like, away and then she came back with a broken leg. Yeah. Like, and then she dated Edward briefly and like in a flash in a pan. But also they were probably so gross together at school. And then suddenly he just left and then she became a zombie. Yeah. Like everyone it's like, knows who she is. Like a glamorous celebrity falling from grace, you know. <laughs> I was like, Bella, you're famous. Anyway, it's important to note that it's basically a plot point that Charlie hates motorcycles because he's a cop and so you know he's called in on traffic accidents all the time, and he has always made her promise to never ride a motorcycle. So not only is she breaking the promise that she made to Edward, but now she's also breaking a promise that she made to her dad. Yeah. And it's really Bella just being like, yeah, um, fuck everything from before. Now I do what I want. And it's really fun. I just want to point out that this was another section that I miss, that I unfairly remember. Mm. You know, I always think about New Moon and just sort of default to she was so sad that her boyfriend dumped her that she decided she didn't need to live so she drove motorcycles off cliffs or whatever it is that happens um, and it's like that's not it at all yeah no. this is not it she was like i i just want to have a good time yeah <laughs> or like i just like, want to like, feel it's like i want to feel feelings and i want to prove to myself that i can do whatever i want yeah it's so badass I love Bella. So she's in the middle of taking these motorcycles, which are so broken that she doesn't even have to pay for them. And she's like, wait, I do know somebody who can help me fix these motorcycles. And it's Jacob Black. Because, of course, he made her truck run, which has been perfect this whole time. Yeah, but another instance of Bella being like, oh, this person will be useful to me. I can use him (laughs) to get something I want. God! I actually made a note about that, though, that, like, I've said so many times, like, Bella could learn to be a good friend, and I think (laughs) Jacob is the perfect case study, because Bella at first does just want to use him, but ultimately, throughout New Moon, Bella comes to love Jacob so deeply that Eclipse is about her being like, I don't know that I can, like, live without Jacob either. It's true. Like, Bella changes and grows as a person. It's true. You get the first hint of it when she first gets to the Black's house and he's just, like, the cutest. He's super excited that she's there. He's not mad that Bella hasn't spoken to him in, like, seven months. He's just Uh. like, oh my god, hi. And 
She says, I felt an unfamiliar surge of enthusiasm at his smile. I realized that I was pleased to see him. This knowledge surprised me. Oh so God. she does just like, like, oh yeah, I, you're cool. To this be is around. what caring about someone else feels like. <laughs> yeah, she just like forgot. <laughs> I think I think it's less like Bella's a bad friend. She doesn't care about people. I think it's more like she's been numb for so long. And she's like, oh, wow, it's really nice to have a friend maybe yeah. i should have pushed them all away i don't totally. know <laughs> oh it feels like a combination <laughs> <laughs> then he um, says that he's six five which is fucking <laughs> tall as shit he's giant six five uh, is so tall i don't remember him being six five olivia you and i highlighted all the same stuff because <laughs> i also highlighted i realized i was pleased to see him this knowledge surprised me and six five you know with self-satisfaction <laughs> Um, I do remember being really put off by their age difference oh. when I first read this, and I still right. noticed it second time. He's he's 16, and she just turned 18, of course. Yeah, he just turned 16. And I do remember teenage me uncool. was like, what? So An uncool. 18-year-old having Girl. A, a relationship with a boy who's 16? I, I was so put off by it. Yeah, that's so like a senior and a sophomore, which like, you know, like sometimes a sophomore gets asked to the prom, but you are kind of like, oh, that's kind of weird. But that yeah, was like, ew. That was always cool if the girl was younger. Oh well, yeah. But not cool if the girl is older. Absolutely. So I true. mean, but I'm for some reason, very heteronormative of us. Yeah, that's but just like also what age difference is weird in both of them. Oh, absolutely. I also think um, like 107 and 17 is maybe a big age difference. Good other example, Maya. Um, I also pointed that out in the first book and we were like, whatever. So, Oh, yeah. I'm happy to overlook it for some reason. It's because of nostalgia and heteronormative romantic ideals. Yeah, we all internalize weird stuff. Okay, but I don't think that my thinking this is weird is so much heteronormative as being unable to imagine having a crush on someone who is two years younger than me in high school. Oh, yeah. No, I think that that is very fair. Although, at first I agreed with you, and then I was like, he's 6'5". And even (laughs) though his physical size does not change his age, like... So part of me was oh, like no. okay but he's a giant <laughs> okay but high school but no, you're still correct was very much so like oh my That's god funny. you like are a baby and you just haven't fully sure. matured yet you know you're sure. just not on my level it definitely initially that, put me off of this relationship i think that whole thing is kind of a big kind of comedic through line of this book bella and jacob banter a lot about like what their true ages are and that kind of running joke happens for the first time yeah. in this chapter. She She's like, how old are you? And he's like, 16. Aren't you like 40? And she's like, maybe. <laughs> um, but, but it reminds I, me that we're going to get into Jacob. Like, like Stephanie Meyer addresses Melissa's concern and is like, well, because he's a vampire, because he's a werewolf, <laughs> he now ages faster. Like, yeah, whatever. But, but I like think, you age faster and then stop what <laughs> I just think that this part right here is what set me up to never be on team Jacob mm. 
Like, I think my initial off-puttedness from their age difference right here when he's 16 years old, I was just like, no, 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 no. Well, I'm sure we'll get into this, obviously, because it's uh, the linchpin of an entire book. But they also just the the relationships start in such different ways. Like Edward and Bella always started with a lot of tension and suspense between them. And Bella and Jacob have always been easy and chatty and fun. so organic. Yeah. And that's just like the difference between yeah, what it sounds like a, to them. a great friendship, I guess. <laughs> well, I really do love their friendship. And I, well, I'm sure we'll find the point that I highlighted, but they do have so much fun chatting and just hanging yeah. out that it made me wish all over again that we saw her have a good time with Edward. Yes. Because, like, think of how many Team Jacob people that might be Team Edward if Bella ever enjoyed her time with Edward. <laughs> we it's never so get to see them enjoying each other at no. all. And it's so frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, like, this could be... I was always Team Edward. This could be the beginning of a very good, healthy, fantastic, romantic relationship. I was also always Team Edward, but reading through this time around this chapter made me be like, maybe I should have been a Team Jacob person. (laughs) Later on, we're going to get to the point where I'm like, I'm off Team Jacob for all time. Um, But I'll save that. So... They're talking about like cars or whatever. Um, and Bella references how Billy didn't like the Cullens because Billy knew that they were unsafe. And Bella's always safe now because the Cullens are gone. And she says, But I was going to see what I could do to change that. And I just really love her attitude. Like, yes, I don't care about what anybody wants me to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. And um, Jacob is just totally game. Like, he has worked on a dirt bike. He doesn't really know how to fix motorcycles, but he's sure that they can figure it out, and he would obviously love to help Bella fix two motorcycles. Yeah, and she's like, you can have one. And he's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like, maybe you have fun enough before Jacob that this really pretty girl that you're friends with, like, comes over out Out of nowhere. nowhere. Doesn't call. motorcycles, and is like, you want one? (sighs) And then he's like, well, it's going to take a lot of cash. Like, it'll probably take forever. And she's like, oh, I'll just f- pay for them with my college money. It's fine. <laughs> he's like, okay. It's so fun. And that's the end of the chapter. And it's just really, really enjoyable. And I can't believe that I remembered these sections of New Moon as, like, just moping. Yeah. True. It was only, like, half a chapter of moping. It's really yeah. unfair of us. <laughs> Whoops. Sorry, Stephanie Meyer. Well, that's what we're here for. Give her the credit she deserves, which brings us to best sentence, worst sentence. I'd like to go first with my best sentence because we're actually right there. Holler. Um, I had so many possible best sentences, so I don't know if this one is the best writing, but it's definitely the one that I felt like captured character really well, was funny, and just like, like it's the kind of thing that you want to like highlight and like highlight and like put on a Goodreads quote section. Mm-hmm. And it's the very end of this second chapter. As we, as we skulked back to the makeshift garage, I comp- contemplated my luck. 
Only a teenage boy would agree to this, deceiving both our parents while repairing dangerous vehicles using money meant for my college education. He didn't see anything wrong with that picture. Jacob was a gift from the gods. It's actually a paragraph. This was so fun. <laughs> I imagine Stephanie like writing this about her own teenage sons. Same. Yeah, it like really feels like a mom writing a mom. it. Yeah. But, yes. Like also Bella always but sounds like a mom. mom. <laughs> yeah. It was really enjoyable. It's true. Deceiving our parents while repairing dangerous vehicles using money for my college education. <laughs> Loved it. Again, I will reiterate my best sentence we already read comes right at the beginning of the section. Even when each tick of the second hand aches like the pulse of blood behind a bruise. So visual and sensory. It's great. Lovely. Um, my best sentence is when Bella is realizing that she also has a promise that she can break um, and that Edward has already broken his. Uh, she says the physical evidence was the most insignificant part of the equation I was changed and my insides altered almost past the point of recognition so good right so good and I was like so true I was like yeah Edward you can fucking take her cd I guess (laughs) but that doesn't mean that she changed her heart right it doesn't mean that she's just gonna go back to being that person before she met you that's over now yeah like whatever dumb boy Edward is so stupid (laughs) all right who's got a worst oh I do I have a worst um I don't know that it's even really that bad um in another light you could even say that it's good but (laughs) it's the one that I pick um Charlie is trying to send Bella back to Jacksonville and he's giving his reasons and she's shooting them all down so he says your mother's been dying to have you back she says Florida is too hot. Girl, we got some Arizona. Oh my God, you're right. I was like, Bella, pick a better life. You know what? Just Florida's no. Florida's a humid heat. Arizona's very dry. I'm sure. I was just about to say, like, she's probably one of those jackweeds that's like, yeah, but it's a dry heat. (laughs) Like, yes, the experience of it uh, is still different, but Bella, just like, come up with better reasoning. You're from Arizona. Uh, I uh, I already mentioned uh, my worst sentence, which also isn't that bad, uh, but it's the movie was playing early, so Jess thought we should hit the Twilight showing and eat later. This is not a sentence that is worthy of using no. the title of the first book. It's, no. There are nobody says that Twilight showing isn't like a thing. No. Just say the early showing. You can't yeah. use Twilight like that, just like thrown around in this book. <laughs> Also, uh, like, what would that even be? Like, oh, yes, let me check my almanac to see when Twilight is <laughs> so I know when to get to the theater. I just feel like there also could have been a billion other ways to put Twilight in the book. But she In way better places, absolutely. A movie time. <laughs> oh, well. Um, my worst sentence is when we're talking about those two hikers, uh, and Bella's describing them. Uh, the second man was tall and lean, his face tanned and wind-whipped into an impressive leathery crust. Ooh, and, I also hated yep. that. And I was just like, girlfriend, you describe skin in the worst way possible every time. Like, we already talked about how she described her grandmother's skin uh, in 
whatever chapter two or whatever and I was just like why is it impossible for you to write about skin in any kind of appealing way (laughs) that's that's a good bad one leathery crust like ew like just leather is a way that people describe skin like oh yeah you've got a lot of sun (laughs) exposure and you've got leathery crust right but also yeah. her idea of good skin description is when she describes Edward's skin as being like a rock. Marble. Pale, cold. hard, cold. Yeah. And yeah like, every also, time she talks no. about it, it's like, that sounds unpleasant. Yeah. She just doesn't know how to talk about skin. <laughs> okay. Well, that's one in a long list of things that Stephanie does not know how to describe. Uh, Airports. Cameras. Milk. Skin. You know. Healthy relationships. <laughs> all right listeners next week uh we will be reading chapters six and seven if you'd like to uh read along we would love to have you join us remember to write in remember to enter our giveaway remember that we love you and remember (laughs) that as usual you can always get in touch with us by writing us at twilightphasepodcast at gmail.com you can also follow us at twilight underscore phase on twitter and instagram and twilight phase podcast on tumblr disclaimer we own nothing the twilight universe and all characters belong only to stephanie meyer please don't sue us audio editing is by maya marlette cover image is by laura Shermer. our theme music is written and performed by adrian mooring oh that's all folks (laughs) I forget how to do this podcast every single time. (laughs) We'll be back next week. And if you don't like it, you can bite me. (laughs) Bye. Bye, y'all.